Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jessica. I'm your host of this podcast, The Spanning Chronicles, Living with a Vestibular Disorder. This podcast is just me sharing my journey with a vestibular disorder and how I have been able to heal. I also share healthcare knowledge in regards of all the vestibular disorders out there. And I also invite my listeners to be part of my podcast, to share their experience so we can all shed some hope and give some light to everybody out there who is suffering with a vestibular disorder. So I hope everybody who is new enjoy this podcast and those who have been listening to me for a while, welcome back. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Um, Welcome to another episode of The Spinning Chronicles, Living with a Vestibular Disorder. I want to apologize. I have not been recording since June 29th. Um, I had to take like a little hiatus of social media and technology and all that stuff. So I needed a little time for me to to unwind and and disconnect a little bit. Um, And this past month, and something I think has been, um, I had also a little exacerbation. Um, I had, uh, dizziness, brain fog, um, lightheadedness, extreme nausea, um, that lasted for like two weeks. I, I got myself these, um, C bands. Um, this is not a paid announcement or anything. Um, I decided to give them a try and they worked amazing. Um, so I always have them with me now in my bag for work and stuff like that. But I apologize. I have not forgotten about you. I just needed to take time for myself, unwind, um, and just be there for my family and heal a little bit more. I was, I had too much in my plate in other words, but I am back, back to continue sharing awareness about these vestibular disorders. So Last time I had an interview with Gigi that we talked about BPPV and how BPPV has affected her life and where she's at with her healing and all that stuff, which was an interesting and a really amazing interview. So if you have not heard that one, please go back. It's the one, it's the, it's the, it's the interview before this one, (laughs) the recording before this one. So today we're going to talk about cervicogenic dizziness, right? So we have talked about acoustic neuroma, BPPV. Today is cervicogenic dizziness turn. So those who don't know what cervicogenic dizziness is, it's a condition where the neck can cause dizziness, right? And it's, it's, it is really difficult to diagnose cervicogenic dizziness because it is considered a diagnosis of exclusion, which means that if you have dizziness or any type of vestibular symptoms, they will test you for everything else before they diagnose you with cervicogenic dizziness. That's if nothing, uh, all the tests they've done, nothing shows what type of vestibular disorder you have. So they decide to, to diagnose you with cervicogenic dizziness. So when you have neck pain and dizziness, most of these vestibular disorders cause neck pain because like I've said in the past, our body with the balance has three systems, your eyes, your inner ear, and the muscles and joints. So when you have some type of vestibular disorder, one or the other is going to take over to compensate. In my case, 
my ears and my ears and my neck take over to compensate from the problem that I have with my eyes. So I get a lot of neck pain. So what they seen with um, cervicogenic dizziness, they used to call it cervicogenic vertigo back in the day, um, but now they call it cervicogenic dizziness. But there is no test. There's no single test that can tell you, oh, this is what you have. You have cervicogenic dizziness. So people that have cervicogenic dizziness, they tend to complain about dizziness and and some type of, I want to say disorientation or something, um, during when they have, which it gets worse with head movements, I'm sorry. Or if you're standing and looking straight to a certain point for a long period of time and when they decide to move their neck, they they get that dizziness sensation. Um, sometimes it's dizziness and lightheadedness. They don't feel vertigo. Um, and then sometimes they say that when they have neck pain, the dizziness come during that neck pain or soon after the neck pain and, and lasts for like minutes, two hours at a time. Okay. So it causes imbalance, obviously, with every type of vestibular disorders out there. Um, so it's, it's it's one of those that it is difficult to diagnose. Like all these vestibular disorders are already difficult to diagnose, but this one is considered um, vestibular disorder of exclusion. So all the information I'm sharing with you guys, I got this all obviously from the VIDA website. Those who don't know what the VIDA website is, it's the Vestibular Disorder Association. It is an amazing tool that every one of us as vestibular disorder sufferers should utilize, okay? Also, not a paid announcement. <laughs> um, but I've also found some a lot more information from other websites. Um, there's a place called Cervical uh, Balance and Dizziness. It's in Canada. And I also found a review on how to diagnose cervicogenic dizziness. This is from Archives of Physiotherapy. This was from July 12 of 2017, so it's pretty recent. And we're also going to discuss a case report about cervicogenic dizziness. So let's talk about cervicogenic dizziness. What is it? The word cervicogenic means that it comes from the neck or originates from the neck. It is caused by or a problem or a combination of a problem of your neck, like an injury, right? So let's say you have a whiplash. That's an injury to your neck. Sometimes when we treat this neck problem, it can sometimes make the symptoms better because it is coming from your neck. So if you have neck pain, you're not going to treat your toe to see if it helps with your vestibular disorder. So cervicogenic dizziness causes dizziness, not vertigo. Okay. Um, dizziness and vertigo, if you've not heard about this in the past, and if you have not um, read my Instagram previously, where I discussed what is vertigo and what is dizziness, dizziness is just lightheadedness, feeling like you're fainting or, or you feel a little bit off. Vertigo is the sensation that your body is spinning or the surroundings around you are spinning. So that's completely two different things. Okay. There's other names for cervicogenic dizziness. They also have it like cervical vertigo, proprioceptive vertigo, or, cervi or cervicogenic vertigo. So what causes cervicogenic dizziness? Like I've said before multiple times in all my recordings, we I've said that the balance system of your body is a combination from your eyes, which is your visual system, 
your inner ear, which is your vestibular system, and the bones and joints of your body, which is what we call our proprioceptive system. And that all those together, working together, helps to keep our body in balance. Our neck has a lot of muscles, obviously has muscles, bones, joints, ligaments, tendons, blood vessels, nerves, arteries, all that stuff. So we get proprioceptive signals from our neck, like when your neck bends or stretch or turns, and that helps our brain to know where our head is located in relation to our body and obviously in relation to our space. That's why we call it proprioceptive. Also, this helps our brain to interpret those signals from what we see and what our vestibular system senses, okay? There's a lot of research out there about cerebrogenic dizziness, but researchers think that the neck problem or the injury that you might suffer in your neck might change those proprioceptive signals that are sent from the neck to the brain's balance system. So they think that any injury that you might suffer in your neck, let's take it back to whiplash. You have a car accident, your neck gets thrown forward and back. That's what we call whiplash. Those proprioceptive signals are going to change how our brain is going to interpret balance. That's why a lot of people who suffer from brain injuries, concussion, whiplash, they tend to get a little bit dizziness. Me as a chiropractor, I see a lot of um, car accident patients. I always ask any loss of consciousness during the impact. Did your head hit head? Did your head hit the steering wheel? Any blurry vision, nausea, dizziness with your headaches, any headaches at all? Because all that makes is part of the pieces of the puzzle that we have to put together as um, providers. So cervicogenic dizziness can be associated with seven with, with different types of problems, like the like I always have problems saying this word. Degenerative, degenerative, degenerative spine disorders of the neck. Oh my God. I'm sorry, guys. Um, My English is my second language. So Spanish is my first. So there's certain words. My husband makes fun of me sometimes because I can't pronounce them. I normally describe them and he has to help me say the word. So the degenerative is one of them. So some conditions can cause you have cervicogenic dizziness, like degenerative spine disorders in your neck, um, like arthritis, degenerative this disease, uh, myelopathies, all that stuff. Um, what are the symptoms that people might get with cervicogenic dizziness besides, obviously, dizziness? Patients complain of having um, stiffness in the neck, pain in the neck. The range of motion is less, meaning that they can't move their necks accordingly to where they have to go. Cervicogenic dizziness is made worse by neck movements, but people have different symptoms. Okay, so cervicogenic dizziness does not involve feelings of rotational spinning like vertigo. It is only dizziness. Okay, so how is, let me see, there's something else here. I'm sorry about this. There's a condition called Bow Hunter Syndrome. It's a condition that can cause you to have cervicogenic dizziness. So people that have Bow Hunter Syndrome may also have ringing in their ears, which is what we call tinnitus or tinnitus, headache, low vision, or double vision. Double vision in the medical field is called diplopia which means double vision. They might also have coordination problems, which that's what we call it, ataxia. Um, 
fainting when they turn their heads between 45 or 90 degrees. So that's what we call bow hunter syndrome. That's a new thing that I did not know at all. Thank you so much. Balance and dizziness from Canada. Um, I'm going to look more into that because that sounds interesting to learn about. Like I said, I never heard about this one. Um, but when they get these serogogenic dizziness, if you have bow hunter syndrome, the problem stops when their head, when they, when these patients turn their heads back to their neutral position. So that's one of these um, conditions that can give you cervicogenic dizziness. <clears throat> so how we treat or how do we diagnose cervicogenic dizziness? Let's do that one. So how do we diagnose cervicogenic dizziness? Normally, um, like I said earlier, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. That means that when they test you for everything, when they test you for veneers, um, labyrinthitis, vestibular neuritis, vestibular migraine, Malder Barkman, all these vestibular disorders out there and everything comes back out normal, they will say, okay, this might be cervicogenic dizziness because there's no answer to anything else. One of the clues that doctors always have to pinpoint at is the movement of the neck. Right? They only get the dizziness when they move the neck. But there's a lot of vestibular disorders out there that when you move your neck, obviously your eyes move with you, um, causes you also to have some type of dizziness. This is an article that I'm gonna, I found. It's called A Review to How to Diagnose Cervicogenic Dizziness by Alexander Riley, Frank M. Vickery, Sarah E. Vandenberg, Rachel A. Cesario, and Richard A. Clendaniel from the Archives of Physiotherapy, and this is from 2017. So this article is amazing. When I'm saying it's amazing, it's because it tells the providers step-by-step step what to look for and how to diagnose cervicogenic dizziness. This article is amazing and it needs a gold medal. So first step, that a doctor has to do to diagnose cervicogenic dizziness is take a patient history. Patient history, it is super, super, super important for any provider to listen. Patient history is what the patient tells the doctors what they're feeling. I know some doctors decide to cut it short and just listen to you talk for two minutes without listening to the whole story. Me, I'm a storyteller. I like my patients to tell me the story since they wake up in the morning until they go to sleep at night. Because there's always going to be one single thing that is going to tell me this is what this patient has, right? So I like to let my patients tell me the story. So for any type of, for, for cervicogenic dizziness or CGD, CGD, to be considered, the patient should have a history of neck pathology. Pathology is a disease or disorder of the neck. Okay. And also the person needs to experience dizziness. This is one of the things that it has to be considered to diagnose a patient with cervicogenic dizziness. Cervicogenic dizziness should not be considered if the patient does not have neck pain. Okay. When you're diagnosed with a vestibular disorder and you have your first vestibular attack, your neck pain is unbearable sometimes. I had neck pain for the longest time, both of my shoulders, both sides of my neck, 
the back of my head was killing me. I couldn't find a comfortable position. The only way I could find a comfortable position is put a heating pad in the back of my neck and tilt my head back, right? So cervicogenic dizziness, it has to be part of a differential diagnosis of a doctor when a patient comes in complaining of a vestibular disorder symptom. Point, period. That's it, okay? It has to be in the list. The reason why, I'm going to tell you in a second. Symptoms that are caused by CGD or cervicogenic dizziness should be exacerbated by movements of the neck that elicit neck pain. So the person has to move the neck, but the neck has to hurt for it to be cervicogenic dizziness. If you move your neck and you have vertigo, not dizziness, it is not cervicogenic dizziness. If you move your neck and you get dizzy, but no neck pain, it is not cervicogenic dizziness. The movements have to recruit, the movements of your neck have to give you pain on your neck and then give you dizziness. Because one of the signs, one of the, the stars, I want to say, of the highlight point of cervicogenic dizziness is that a person complains of dizziness right after or right during the half neck pain. That is it. That is what a doctor has to look for. Okay. And the pain should go away with interventions that alleviate neck pain. The dizziness goes away once you get physical therapy for your neck. Boom. Dizziness went away, which I'm going to talk about a case report or a case study later on. This is, a, I made a star, an asterisk, bubbles all around it. Vertigo, it is not a symptom arising from the cervical spine. It is not, but rather is caused by peripheral vestibular disorders or lesions within the vestibular pathways of your central nervous system. If you have cervicogenic, if you were diagnosed with cervicogenic dizziness and you have vertigo, I'm sorry to tell you that's a misdiagnosis. Let me put a pause right here. This episode is to educate people. I am not here to diagnose. I am not here to treat anybody's symptoms. I'm just here to share awareness of these medical conditions. I do my own research. I read a lot. I have a back, I'm a chiropractor, so I have well-versed knowledge in the medical field and healthcare. So I'm telling you this right now. I am not here to treat you, diagnose you, or anything at all. I'm just here to share awareness and educate people out there because I love to educate my patients. So I also want to educate all of you vestibular disorder patients out there. Done with, uh, with my claws right there. Going back. So vertigo is not a symptom of cervicogenic dizziness. It is only dizziness that cervicogenic dizziness is going to cause. If you were diagnosed with cervicogenic dizziness and you have vertigo, going back to what vertigo is, is the sensation of spinning. It is a misdiagnosis. You were not diagnosed correctly. You need to find a second opinion. Okay. That is really important for you to know. The duration of these symptoms for cervicogenic dizziness can go from days to months to years. Each episode of dizziness typically lasts minutes to hours, okay? The reason why it might last from days to months to years, that is if you were misdiagnosed and you did not get the treatment that you needed, it's going to last for a long time. However, your cervicogenic dizziness does not include oral fullness. Those who don't know what oral fullness is, you feel your ears full right? Like they're clogged. They don't, cervicogenic dizziness does not give you tinnitus or tinnitus or hearing loss. Okay. None of that. When a person has BPPV, 
the most common vestibular pathology, BPPV gives you vertigo spells, right? It gives you like that spinning sensation. The most common pattern of nystagmus, nystagmus for those who don't know is eye movement. BPPV gives you eye movement because it makes you feel like you're spinning. So your eyes tend to move. So the most common pattern of nystagmus seen in BPPV is a mixed up beating and torsional nystagmus, but the direction of the nystagmus will vary depending of which semicircular canal is affected. So those who don't know, the semicircular canal, we have three of them in our ear. Whichever the one is affected is how your eyes are going to move. That gives a clue to your vestibular rehabilitation therapist. That's why they put the goggles and they make they do the dicks hell pike and they do the epilies to see where your eyes are moving. It's going to give them a clue to which semicircular canal is affected so they can do the correct maneuver, the correct epilies maneuver to help move those crystals around back to their normal position. If the patient has symptoms of vertigo accompanied by nystagmus in response to changing head position in the space, then BPPV is more likely than cervicogenic dizziness. Again, if the vertigo that the person has is accompanied by nystagmus, you do not have CGD, which is cervicogenic dizziness. You might probably have BPPV. Okay, that's really good to know. When a person has an acute unilateral peripheral vestibular loss due to either labyrinthitis or vestibular neuronitis, obviously the person gets vertigo and imbalance sensation. We all know that. So the patient will acutely present with spontaneous horizontal direction facing nystagmus in room light, meaning the eyes are going to move horizontally a little bit. But the patients with um, cervicogenic dizziness do not have tinnitus, hearing loss, vertigo, or nystagmus. Okay, so remember that the clue, the star of cervicogenic dizziness symptoms is neck pain comes, dizziness comes with the neck pain. Not vertigo, dizziness. You move your neck and you get neck pain, dizziness comes. Okay, let's talk about vestibular migraines. If you have not read the International Headache Associ um, Society or the International Classifications of Headaches, um, you need to read it. I read the whole thing when I was diagnosed with vestibular migraine, which was a mis it was not the correct diagnosis for me because I did not fit anything um, in regards of vestibular migraine symptoms. So when a person has vestibular migraine, the person gets um, vertigo. I never had vertigo. Okay. That's the first thing. Um, let me see what I was saying. Oh, so the key symptoms that are presented in vestibular migraine, they're present in VM or vestibular migraine, but they're not present in cervicogenic dizziness are aura, true vertigo, throbbing headaches, sensitivity to light and uh, like uh, um, auditory sensitivity, um, which is what we call sensory stimulation and oculomotor changes. So if you were diagnosed with stimular migraine, most of you might have these symptoms of aura, which you're going to feel that you're going to get the, the dizziness. Um, true vertigo, which means sensation or room spinning. Throbbing headaches, but their studies have shown that people might have a stimular migraines with or without headache, but the percentage is really low, but still a probability. And then sensory sensitivity to light and loud noises. I never had any of those symptoms when I was diagnosed with my vestibular migraine. So that's why I decided, nope, that's not it for me. 
So patients with vestibular migraines do not typically experience dizziness related to mechanical neck pain or dysfunction, meaning that if you have vestibular migraine, patients do not feel the dizziness when they move their neck or they have neck pain. Do not. Okay, that is that is one of the, the considerations to make sure that a patient is not diagnosed with um, vestibular migraine and, is, and it is CGD. Another one that we talk about is labyrinthine concussion. Labyrinthine concussion is a vestibular disorder that can mimic symptoms of cervicogenic dizziness due to the presence of dizziness and cervical neck pain. Labyrinthine concussion is one of those that can, my, can, by, can be similar to cervicogenic dizziness. So the only differences that can be the only differences between cervicogenic dizziness and labyrinthine concussions is is complicated by the fact that both labyrinthine concussions and cervicogenic dizziness can be attributed to trauma. Labyrinthine concussion often includes signs and symptoms similar to those of peripheral vestibular loss including hearing loss, tinnitus, and dizziness. Obviously, I said earlier that with um, CGD or cervicogenic dizziness, there is no hearing loss and there's no tinnitus. That's the only difference, okay? Cervical arterial dysfunction, or CAD, and whiplash-associated disorder. Ooh, my microphone. I almost almost dropped it. (laughs) Oopsie. I'm not cutting that one out. So like I said, cervical arterial dysfunction or CAD and whiplash associated disorder are non-vestibular pathologies that can mimic CGD, cervicogenic dizziness. So cervical arterial dysfunction and whiplash can mimic cervicogenic dizziness. So when a person that has um, CAD, which is cerebral arterial dysfunction, presents as dizziness lasting several minutes that is related to movement of the head and trunk, the patient has to get tested for obviously an MRI with and without contrast and an MRI to make sure that nothing else is causing that dysfunction. Whiplash associated disorder. Anybody that can get into a car accident or you slip and fell and you hit your head, you can get a whiplash. Um, when you have a, patients with whiplash disorder um, can have low pain tolerance and score high on fear avoidance measures, such as the fear avoidance belief. Um, where is it? Jeez, so long. And one of the common symptoms of whiplash disorder is neck pain and hypersensitivity, decreased range of cervical range of motion. Those who don't know what cervical is, cervical is your cervical spine, which is your neck. Dizziness, tinnitus, and headache. In some cases, the dizziness that that accompanies whiplash disorder may be cervicogenic dizziness. Okay, so whiplash disorder can also be associated with a concussion that occurs during a traumatic injury. Therefore, Whiplash disorder, concussion, and cervicogenic dizziness are not mutually exclusive diagnoses, okay? When a person experiences dizziness as a symptom of concussion and or whiplash-associated disorder, the dizziness can be of cervical origin. So when a person has an injury, in other words, when a person has an injury to their neck, like cervical, like um, whiplash-associated disorder, that's an injury to your neck, you can get cervicogenic dizziness. That's what they're saying, in other words. Okay, because remember, the person has decreased range of motion of the neck, the pain, the neck hurts when they move it. So those are all keys to help you diagnose um, cervicogenic dizziness. They put here in um, step two, as part of how to diagnose cervicogenic dizziness, the triage. 
right? So the really cool thing about this triage is that is that they created this chart um, that can help you determine or a criteria that can help you determine if a person has cervicogenic dizziness or not. It's an algorithm. So the first thing that it says, step one says patient history. The first question is dizziness, yes or no. If it's no, then CGD, cervicogenic dizziness, is unlikely to be it. If it's yes, then the next question that the doctor should ask is any cervical spine pathology or any neck pathology or any neck injury. If it's no, then obviously cervicogenic dizziness is not it. If it's yes, then this is when triage comes along, which is when a person has a blunt force trauma to the neck, right? A triage of the cervical spine should be utilized first. Triage means start to get some imaging, so, um, MRIs, X-rays, CT scans, MRIs to see what's going on with the neck. They normally follow um, a rule to determine if radiography is indicated. It's called the Canadian C-spine rule. Um, the Canadian C-spine rule, it's a diagnostic measure that they use to make sure the accuracy of the test that you're being getting done. So if you have cervical spine trauma or any trauma to your neck, um, the sensitivity of these tests are 99% accurate and the, specific the specificity is 45%. So they make sure that they follow that rule because it's really specific and sensitive to what they're looking for. So in other words, what they look for is for you to get x-rays, MRIs, MRIs to make sure that there are no other types of pathologies that might be causing you these symptoms of dizziness, vertigo, whatever that you're feeling. So once that triage is done, I go back to the algorithm says positive Canadian C-spine rule or significant red flags. If it's a no, then they have to check for cervical range of motion to see how your neck, your neck works. If it's a yes, then they refer you for an imaging. Like I said, MRIs, X-rays, CT scans, MRAs with or without contrast. If your imaging is negative, then they can check your cervical range of motion to see how your neck is moving. And then they do a test called clinical testing of cervical instability and or CAD at a clinician's discretion. Not all doctors should do it or not all doctors are going to do it. It's up to the doctor's discretion. If it is abnormal, they will refer you to a physician. If it's normal, then they will do a neurological screening. I'm telling you, this algorithm, it is amazeballs. I was so impressed with these people of how well they did this, how to diagnose cervicogenic dizziness. They should do one for airway, vestibular disorder out there. It will make life so much easy. So we talked about patient history, triage. Now, step three, this is when they come in with the vestibular assessment. If a patient has a history consistent with CGD, cerebrogenic dizziness, and has been properly screened in the triage stage, the vestibular system should be assessed next. The triage means they want to make sure that you have no fractures, no dislocations of your spine, nothing that can affect or nothing that can make a major red flag because obviously in your neck you have all these important structures. You have branches of your um, brachial plexus coming out. You have your... Um, your carotid artery, your jugular vein, all these structures that control your trunk and your arms, right? So they want to make sure that everything in there is working fine. You have your spinal cord, you have part of your brainstem back there also. 
So they want to make sure that everything is working correctly before they decide to make sure that they're going to look now into the vestibular system. So all patients should have a rudimentary cervical spine examination prior to any vestibular testing, including subjective report of cervical spine pain. Again, triage. So within the vestibular functioning step, oculomotor evaluations should be included for evaluation of an astigmatic skew, smooth pursuit, saccades, dicks, halpite test, static and dynamic visual acuity, and the vestibulo-ocular reflex VOR, including VOR cancellation and the head thrust test. I went through all these testing. Um, I my eyes were checked. Um, the astigmatic skew, smooth pursuit, saccades. If you ever had the um, VNG, ENG, the video nystagmography and electronystagmography, they put the goggles on you and they're just looking to see how your eyes are working. Okay. So the observation of nystagmus is clinically useful to determine if the vestibular system is involved. And the presence of nystagmus during testing can help to rule out CGD. So when you get all these testing done and the doctors realize that you do have nystagmus, then it is probably not CGD. Okay. Because remember, CGD or cervicogenic dizziness, you really have to do, don't have nystagmus because you have no vertigo. A horizontal direction fixed nystagmus is consistent with unilateral peripheral vestibular hypofunction. Patients with unilateral vestibular hypofunction typically have oculomotor signs such as a positive head thrust or head shaking induced nystagmus. It may, be, it may have abnormal dynamic visual acuity. These findings will not typically be seen in an individual with CGD. Again, person who has been diagnosed with cervicogenic dizziness is not going to present with nystagmus because vertigo is the one that causes you to have nystagmus. Other oculomotor abnormalities such as saccadic, saccadic smooth pursuit or saccadic abnormalities may be seen in patients with central vestibular and central oculomotor deficits. There's this thing that I, highlight, I highlighted different colors and made like 5,000 stars. Cervicogenic dizziness and dizziness from vestibular disorders can be differentiated using the head-neck differentiation test, which is a variation of the cervical neck torsion. In other words, this is what we call the swivel, the swivel chair test. If you went to get vestibular rehabilitation therapy, or if you've seen a neuroautologist or an autologist, they might do this one to you. So I'm going to read it for you, okay? We call, I call it the swivel chair test. That's how they, I learned in the chiropractic school. So the test is performed with the patient sitting on a swivel chair. Obviously, that's why they call it the swivel chair test. Provocation of dizziness with trunk rotation under the head stabilized in space implicates the cervical spine, whereas dizziness with head and trunk rotation together indicates a vestibular component to the patient's symptoms. I'm going to put this in layman's terms. You sit down on this stool that is like a swivel chair. The doctor or the therapist is going to hold your head tight. So you're going to put your feet on the floor and you're going to move your feet and you're going to swivel, but your head is not moving. Okay. So with the head stabilized, you start to rotate your body and sitting in that chair. And if you get dizzy, that means it's coming from your neck. Because obviously, you're rotating your trunk and your trunk and your neck are going to move. Then the provider, 
the doctor, the therapist is going to take off their hands from the neck and you're going to rotate your whole body with your body still, right? You're going to rotate your whole body in the chair. Um, and then if you get dizzy, that's probably a vestibular component. Okay. If symptoms are provoked in both scenarios, make sure you know this, in both scenarios, it is likely that cervicogenic dizziness and vestibular dysfunction are, are comorbid. Comorbid means that two things live together or two things are occurring at once. And then both vestibular and cervicogenic components have to be addressed. So you've heard all these stories that people were diagnosed with vestibular migraine and they continue to get the dizziness. And then eventually a few months down the block, they get diagnosed with triple PD or people with vestibular neuritis, a few years pass by, they get diagnosed with triple PD and they have vestibular migraine, triple PD. I'm going to add this in, Meniere syndrome, just to, to be dramatic. Um, you can have more than one thing going at once. You can have vestibular migraine that eventually change into triple PD. Or you can have um, BPPV that can eventually change into triple PD. So you have two diagnoses that they both have to be treated for you to get some, 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 some changes. So you can have cervicogenic dizziness, but it's affecting so much your vestibular system that it's going to overload it. That can also trigger something in your vestibular system to be off balance. So when that happens, they have to treat both. They have to treat you for your cervicogenic dizziness and whatever else is affecting your vestibular system. So studies have shown that cervical pain can cause decreased standing balance and postural control. Patients with either vestibular dysfunction or cervicogenic dizziness may have increased symptoms during a dynamic balance assessment. While not diagnostic for either condition, assessment of static and dynamic balance is important from the perspective of the functional of a functional assessment. So if you've ever been diagnosed with a vestibular disorder, they they test you for your balance. They make you stand in a hardwood floor, eyes open, eyes closed. Then they make you stand in this foam pad, eye opens, eye closed. They make you walk while you move your neck in a straight line. Make you walk sideways while you move your neck on a straight line. So all that has to be assessed. Positive results on vestibular tests do not rule out cervicogenic dizziness as a patient can have two causes of dizziness simultaneously. Like I said earlier, you can have cervicogenic dizziness probably with BPPV. You can even have a vestibular disorder affecting all three systems. Um, they can be affecting your eyes, can be affecting your neck, can be affecting your inner ear because you're going to overload them and they're going to shut down. When you overheat your car, your car will shut down. The same thing is when your body, when you overload your systems, they will shut down. They were like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to throw the towel and take a seat back and you deal with it because I can't do this no more. That is why treatment for these vestibular disorders are super, super, super important. Okay. Step four, detailed cervical spine evaluation. Cervical spine evaluation includes manual spinal examination for facet joint dysfunction, palpation for segmental tenderness, assessment of postural alignment and traction. So manual spinal examination should include unilateral posterior to anterior mobilization of your cervical facet joints with assessment of pain, provocation, and resistance of motion. In other words, we have to touch your neck. <laughs> we have to touch your neck to see how your joints are moving. That's what I do as a chiropractor. I make sure that your joints are all aligned perfectly and they're moving correctly. People don't like it when I touch their necks because they say it causes too much pain. 
because obviously one, if you have a lot of muscle spasm, I have to touch those to see how your muscle tone is. And also I have to get a little bit more deeper to see if you're sitting to see how your, neck, your joints are moving. To perform um, the, the uh, palpation, the palpation? Yeah, the palpation for segmental tenderness. The clinician palpates the muscle over the cervical facet joints and assess for increased pain. Individuals with cervicogenic dizziness present with tight posterior neck muscles and tenderness of both posterior neck muscles and cervical facet joints. Obviously, your neck is going to be tight as a rock. It's going to be tight because it's protecting the area because you're in pain. Pain is a signal that is going to go all over your body and what the muscles are going to do, they're going to go into spasm to protect that. Because you're defending your neck because you know that if you move your neck, you're going to get dizzy. So you don't want to, that to happen. So that happens unconsciously a lot. Postural alignment and control should be assessed because postural impairments are commonly seen in cases of cervicogenic dizziness, especially in cases with neck pain from whiplash. A reduction of dizziness symptoms in response to cervical traction. Yay, I do that. <laughs> implicates involvement of the cervical spine and is more consistent with CGD than vestibular dysfunction. It is best to perform traction with the patient sitting in order to minimize the effect of gravity of the vestibular system. Sometimes a person might lay back down and they might get dizzy, so they always recommend you to do it sitting. I do cervical traction in my office. I do adjustments. I do all that. So hearing all this stuff, I get so excited because... Um, Chiropractic can help with all this stuff. So clinical tests for cervicogenic dizziness. While cervicogenic dizziness is a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning that if nothing fits, they're going to say this is it because all of the other tests came out negative and cannot be definitely ruled in with a single test, there are tests that have demonstrated to be clinically useful. The test with the strongest diagnostic utility to rule in the diagnosis of cervicogenic dizziness is the cervical neck torsion test, which measures nystagmus in response to cervical neck rotation. The cervical relocation test is a measure of joint position error, has good diagnostic value for ruling out the diagnosis of cervicogenic dizziness. The diagnostic value of both the cervical neck torsion and cervical relocation tests are limited by the fact that the likelihood ratios are based on a study comparing only cervicogenic dizziness and BPPV. So um, I can't pronounce this name. L. Herxlibu et al. I think I killed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Found that cervical neck torsion test and cervical relocation tests are most useful for differential diagnosis of BPPV versus cervicogenic dizziness when the results of the two tests were combined. So these two tests are what they call the most specificity and um, provides good diagnostic tool to make sure that that's what you have, um, CGD or not. So this was really interesting. Like I said, again, this is a study, a review for how to diagnose cervicogenic dizziness by the Archives of Physiotherapy, by Alexander Riley, Frank Vickery, Sarah Fundenberg, Rachel Cesario, and Richard Clendaniel. Amazing, amazing study. Amazing, amazing, well-written. This I'm going to save and put in my file with really important articles. So how do we treat cervicogenic dizziness? 
How do we do that? So besides, obviously, physical therapy and vestibular rehabilitation, obviously, if you do physical therapy, they're going to do stretching and strengthening of your neck to improve your range of motion because obviously a person with cervicogenic dizziness has decreased range of motion. They do a lot of hands-on treatment. Um, they do cervical proprioception and kinesthesia. If you don't know what kinesthesia is, it is the perception of position and movement. So they do kinesthesia training. Um, these involves head movements while focusing the eyes on a fixed or moving point. In other words, gaze stabilization as well. Proprioception is the perception of position and kinesthesia is the perception of movement. So they do both. If you have not done vestibular rehabilitation, I highly recommend to do it for every single vestibular disorder, unless it's otherwise said to you by your provider. Vestibular rehabilitation helps you um, retrain your body how to work again to maintain a nice balance. So it is good to do vestibular rehabilitation therapy with your physical therapy if you have cervicogenic dizziness. Okay. And also obviously chiropractic, you should do chiropractic in conjunction with vestibular therapy before you do physical therapy. That's me. That's what I think. Um, I, I, I am drawn to my profession. We do a lot for a lot of people. So the goal for your, the goal for, um, like I said, for vestibular rehabilitation therapy is to help your brain to create new connections, to relearn, to create what we call neuroplasticity, to create new branches, new pathways that have been damaged by your vestibular disorder. So it can grow and branch out to other areas instead of going through the area that has all these potholes, right? So it's just to just help your brain relearn how to balance your body out, um, and how to respond to the signals that your eyes are receiving, that your ears are receiving, that your proprioceptive system is receiving. Because obviously the brain, how it works is it has three functions. It's called sensation, integration, and um, motor. So obviously the sensation, we have five senses in our body. We can smell, we can taste, we can see, we can hear, and we can feel. Those are our five senses. All that information, our brain is going to integrate it. It's going to start processing it like a little calculator, like a little computer. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. After our brain decides what to do with what it's sensing, what is coming inwards, it's going to send a signal outwards for us to create emotion, right? Our motor. The best thing I can say is, the best example that I can say is like you have one of those stoves that are flat. It's a stovetop and you don't know if it's on or off right? Because the light is not working because mine has a light that tells me if it's hot or not. You put your hand on top of it. Don't close enough, but top of it. Your body's going to sense that it's hot, right? But before your body, before you know that it's hot, you're going to have um, heat receptors in your skin that is going to send that information to your brain to integrate that information to tell me, Dr. Jessica, that is hot. You need to move your hand out of from there so that information is going to come back down, but what we call efferent neurons, um, and it's going to make sure that my hand, which is the motor part, comes out and moves it out so I won't burn my hand, okay? So that's how the brain works. That is the job of the vestibular rehabilitation, is to help your body and your brain to respond to the signals that your body receives. So make sure you do that, okay? There was a study, a case report. In 2009, but uh, uh, let me see by who Oxford Medical Case Report, done in not 2009. I'm sorry, 2019. 
It was done by Eric Chun Pu Chu, Wee Ling Ching, and Amelia Baumick from New York Chiropractic and Physiotherapy Center, New York Medical Group, Hong Kong, China, Department of Health Science, Lincoln University College, and Silangor Darul Esan in Malaysia. So, obviously, we're going to talk about chiropractic here. Yes. So, <laughs> the case report is a girl comes in. She's 24-year-old girl comes in that she has been having neck pain and the dizziness comes um, when she moves her neck for two years, right? So, when the neck pain was severe, she experienced dizziness, which could be exacerbated by head movement. She denied any tinnitus, any oral fullness or hearing loss. There was no history of head injury, vestibular systemic disorder. They did a brain MRI, um, and they also did a cervical cerebral MRI and geography to make sure that the blood vessels in her brain are perfectly fine. Um, and that excluded any intracranial pathology, any vessel stenosis, stenosis is narrowing of the blood vessels, any aneurysm, vascular malformation or durosinal thrombosis, caloric irrigation and ocular vestibular evoke myogenic potential tests reveal normal response on both sides. Caloric irrigation with the, when they put that air in your ear to see how your eye moves. On the initial evaluation, the patient presented with guarded neck posture and forward head carriage. Forward head carriage, for those that you don't know, is when you tax a lot and you look down, your head is a little bit forward. Your ears need to align with your shoulders, okay, for you to not have forward head carriage. She rated her neck pain an 8 out of 10 in the numeric pain scale and scored 60 points on the dizziness handicap inventory. So higher than 54 denotes a severe handicap. So she was really, really dizzy. She was suffering for two years. Joint mobility was assessed, showing a restriction in C5, C6. C5 and C6 is the number five vertebra of your neck, and number six, and C6, C7 levels. Cervical range of motion was limited and painful at 10 degrees on extension when the normal is um, greater than 60, and 30% in right rotation when the normal is greater than 80. Spinal palpation revealed tenderness at the CT junction. CT junction is the junction between your, your neck and your mid-back region. Um, cervical x-rays showed degenerative spondylosis of the lower cervical spine with osteophytes. Those who don't know what osteophyte is, it's bone spurs. At the posterior aspect and the back part of C5, C6, C7, T1. They also noticed C7, T1, disc space narrowing and reverse of your cervical lordosis. Lordosis is the normal curvature of your neck. It's supposed to look like an inverted C shape, but not as deep. Um, when you have decreased cervical lordosis, it can cause a lot of muscle spasm, a lot of neck pain, a lot of headaches, because you're not supposed to have that posture. Based on the symptoms of dizziness relating with neck pain and the exclusion of systemic neurological and vestibular disorders, the patient was giving a diagnosis of CGD. So these providers did that algorithm of how to diagnose CGD. They did the patient history, they did the triage, they did all that stuff, and they came to the conclusion that that's what she has. This is where I get excited. The patient was treated with cervical adjustment and thermal ultrasound therapy three times a week with emphasis on restoring mobility to stiff joints and relieving muscle tightness on the neck. That's right. We do all that. We adjust the spine. We get to the cause. I'm 
a really soft tissue worker. I love to work with my hands. I love to get to the deep muscle and strip them away so they can relax a little bit. So they did all that. And at the end of four weeks, the patient reported that her neck pain went away. And remember, we said that if they have neck pain, dizziness comes, right? And guess what? One, the neck pain went away and the symptoms of, diff- of dizziness had concurrently eliminated. Patient continued to receive chiropractic adjustment once a month for correcting forward head carriage or forward head posture. Restoration of the cervical curvature was demonstrable in cervical x-rays at the seven-month follow-up. She got her cervical lordosis back. Her pain of her neck went away with her dizziness. She did her exercises. She continued going once a month. And this shows that she had no neck pain. And the end of this says, there is a statistically significant relationship between cervical pain and lordosis angle less than 20, 20 degrees. Currently, 18 months after the, initial of the initiation of treatment, the patient remained medication-free and was not complaining of any neck pain or dizziness. So we fixed the problem. We treated the muscle. We made her get her cervical range of motion back. We took away her pain and her dizziness went away. So if you've ever been diagnosed with cervicogenic dizziness, make sure that you look for a chiropractor that does muscle work because that's key also, especially with these situations. She received cervical adjustments, which help with her joint motion, which help increase her range of motion, which is amazing. So in conclusion, we need to know that sustained loads of our neck Um, like using smartphones, mobile gaming, desktop work, are common symptoms that can trigger CGD or cervicogenic dizziness, okay? Because obviously it's going to create some changes in your cervical spine. It's going to have that forward head carriage. It's going to have all those symptoms of disequilibrium of your joints. So what we're doing at the moment, being in our phones, being in our computers, all that stuff, that is destroying our body, okay? It is changing the biomechanical tensions of our body is changing the biomechanical functions of our body. And it's giving us all these conditions. Okay. But that's another tangent. I don't want to go as deep as going out there. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I went to a little tangent there, but that's me. (laughs) As you know that I've been doing, um, these, um, going, one by one with these vestibular disorders to share awareness. I am looking to interview somebody who has been diagnosed with cervicogenic dizziness to see where they're at so they can share their story. I've loved interviewing people and meeting new people so they can share their awareness about these conditions and share their stories out there for all of you guys. If you know anyone, you can tell them to hit me up at an Instagram at the, un- the underscore spinning underscore chronicles. Um, I'm also in Facebook and the vestibular support group in Facebook and the vestibular disorder, vestibular disorder support group and the vestibular hope support group in Facebook. You can DM me there. I'm going to post all this also in there in Facebook. So, but I'm looking to interview a few people with cervicogenic dizziness. Hope this was helpful for you, for all of you guys. Like I said, I do this in my spare time free. I want to help as much people as I can. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I was excited because I love working on the neck. <laughs> That's my favorite body part to me to work as a chiropractor. So when I found the study, I got a little bit excited. I started jumping up and down. It's like, yes, I can say something about chiropractic about time. <laughs> Anyways, 
So um, I'm going to try to come back doing these episodes once a week. And normally when I do new disorders, it takes me a little bit longer to get this stuff together, but I'm going to try. But I hope to you guys enjoy this episode. I hope to interview some of you. I hope to share more awareness out there um, and help as much as I can until I can't no more. So I hope to talk to you guys again next week. Bye.